CTSnet friends and welcome to this packed post-STS edition of the CTSnet Beat podcast. We've got so much for you, lots of news about the STS, the shocking data about Tavarov to 60-year-olds, amazing multi-arterial grafting data. We've got three papers on the website, the new ERAS guidelines, the total arterial paper and uh, TIR versus surgical MVR. Uh, we've got three great videos for you as well. We've got really cool microscopes in Port Access Mitral. We've got another in the great series of Tava and this is a Tava rupture. How are you going to deal with that? And finally, we've got a masterclass by the one and only Tyrone David. 20 years of mitral valve repair. There's so much uh, on the podcast this week. I hope you can join us for the full edition. Uh, my name is Joel Derming and thanks for watching. CTSnet friends. It was really great to meet lots of you in San Antonio last week uh, with the STS uh, amazing conference. It was a little bit chilly but it was hot inside the auditoriums. Uh, for me the highlight were two talks at one. The absolute shocking data from Cedar Sinai that 50% of under 60 year olds are now choosing Tava. And this is just insane. Um, the rest of the world is staring at this just can hardly believe that, uh, that young people are routinely actually getting Tava, not even being offered it, actually getting it. Uh, and, uh, and there was a really good uh, presentation from the Cedar Sinai team uh, looking, and it was a pool of 37,000 people. Uh, and, uh, and they looked at uh, 2,300 under 60, and half of them were getting Tava. I mean, this is nuts. Well, this paper was very conclusively saying their outcomes are worse. So uh, go figure. Uh, the out the survival the mortality is 0.4 percent in each group absolutely tiny um and uh, but the outcomes are just worse so so this has really got to be stopped and the sds is going to try and take steps to stop things like that uh, the other really big thing that uh, that i saw that i really liked uh, was multi-arterial grafting uh, that was a really good presentation uh, on that really like that and uh, and basically uh, we are profiling that as one of our papers this week it's on the front of Jans uh, and we've actually uh, chosen an article on it uh, by Jan Maxwell um, and it's a banger of a huge uh, database analysis um, so this and it really shows the power of the SDS database um, Tom McGilvery did a huge brilliant presentation uh, as president and in that he said you've now got 20 million patients in your SDS SDS database and this is a study of 1 million CABG patients uh, and uh, over 10 years uh, Joe Sabek did the presentation the incoming president and he's on our board of CTSnet great guy I had a lovely chat to him uh, and uh, and really it shows people do better with total arterial grafting. This has been simultaneously published uh, in the Annals of Thoracic Surgery, so it's uh, there for you to read in full. Uh, but basically, there is clear evidence the p-value is 0.001 uh, that arterial grafting is better than uh, a vein and mammary. So uh, the hazard ratio 0.87 goes nowhere near crossing one. So you know this is barn door slam dunk. Um, I guess the interesting thing is that only 9.8% of people out of those million patients got total arterial grafting. Um, they were obviously younger, had less comorbidities, etc., etc. The operative mortalities, uh, 1% these days in the STS database, which is really good. Uh, what kind of uh, arterial grafting did they have? Well, half 
had uh, one mammary and radial, half had bilateral mammaries, uh, which I thought was interesting. And actually, most had some kind of combination, also had a vein graph like to the right or something. There's only 8% that were having bema and radial, so that's not a common approach. But the 10 year survival is better, um, this is better whatever LV function you've got. Uh, the only thing that affects the superiority is a BMI over 40. And it was thought probably that's going to be due to sternal wound complications, obviously. But BMI 40 is pretty big, isn't it? So, yeah, really, really good. That, for me, was the best presentation of the whole STS. Um, and, uh, and actually, John Puskas, uh, who did a little comment, said he agreed with that as well. Um, and, and really, it's now our mission to try and make it a quality marker of surgery. You know, should people uh, be incentivized to do multiple arterial grafting? Interesting, Australia, there is incentivization and the usage is way higher uh, than America or Europe. So, so incentivization actually does work. So, so maybe that's where we need to go. Uh, so that was really, really interesting. Um, shout out to a load of people we did interviews uh, with at the SDS. It was really great. We're going to publish some of these interviews. Uh, we did 22 interviews with some of my favorite people. Uh, we talked to Ralph Damiano, the god of atrial fibrillation surgery, uh, mainly because there's some new brilliant guidelines on atrial fibrillation that have just come out. Um, he observed that uh, when he started 20 years ago, 1% of people were doing AF concomitant surgery now it's 45 percent so so i told him he's halfway there isn't he another 30 years time it'll be a hundred percent but the guidelines are grade one a evidence if you've got af and you're having mitral surgery um that you should uh, be doing af surgery so if you're not you really need to change read the guidelines uh, we actually caught up with uh, moritz weiler von balmos uh, awesome guy he's now chairman of the sts guidelines committee and you would not believe how much work they've been doing i was shocked three four years ago uh, the guidelines committees were like not doing many guidelines. He's doing 12 this year. Um, and uh, the AF guidelines, we had a really good talk about. Uh, again, he's really, really massive, strong advocate of, of AF surgery, even in long-term persistent patient AF, you know, really good outcomes. He also told us a bit about the ERAS guidelines. Um, and uh, there's an ERAS Kydex surgery guideline that's out and we're gonna, that's gonna be one of our papers. Um, and he told us a few other really good guidelines that are coming out as well, 12 this year. We might try and catch up with him every time a guideline is published. So we bumped into Alan Seo, personal friend, uh, brilliant uniportal VAT surgeon from Hong Kong, telling us all the latest and greatest developments in thoracic surgery. Um, I bumped into Bernie Park, the father of robotic thoracic surgery in America, you know, the first guy to do robotic surgery. He did his first robotic thoracic operation in 2001. Uh, and I had the great pleasure of being helped with Cam, Cam Lind uh, from our office. And she was one years old uh, when he did his first robotic operation. So now 20 years later, we, we just shared a few perspectives uh, on where we are today. And, and actually, he then went into a ding dong uh, fight session with Mara Antonoff, where she was arguing that VATS was better value than robotic and he argued the opposite um I actually thought Mara put up quite a good show uh, until until Bob Sofolio waded in saying every single new innovation that's going to happen in thoracic surgical operating is going to be on a robot. 
And to me, that is the slam dunker. You know, people aren't spending money on better ways to do VATs, but there's vast amounts of money going into better ways to do robotic surgery. So to me, that's the clincher, even though I actually, you know, not totally sure that cost effectiveness is the way we need to argue for robotics. Uh, so that was a really great chat. We talked to Mark Ruel. He's a great guy. He's, uh, remember, he did our off-pump surgery videos last week, uh, and he was really, really interesting. Great guy. He did some great presentations uh, here as well, which is fantastic to catch up with him. Uh, Jonathan Spicer was really interesting from Canada, um, and uh, and lots of Sherry Erkman was super interesting. They've just done a big analysis of pay across America, and I was even more shocked than that Tava paper to hear that women in their first job earn 80% of what a man does with exactly the same job. And uh, we actually had a chat when we weren't interviewed, when we weren't on, on video. And she was like, so it must be the same in England. I was like, no, it isn't. Well, it's the same job. You pay for the same. And we all paid way less than you Americans, but, but at least it's the same. I mean, we wouldn't, it, that, it would just be unthinkable but I guess it's unthinkable in America as well the really good news is that the STS again getting behind massively um, plans to get rid of this and just eradicate it because it's wrong uh, so well done Sherry that was great interviewed by Mara Antonoff uh, so that was wonderful and uh, we talked to loads of other people Patrick Myers president of CTS now had a great chat to him and, uh, and many others so look out for all the videos over the next couple of weeks uh, of all our interviews they're really great so just mentioning again those ERAS guidelines we had the chance to talk to Ron Salinger and also Michael Grant so Michael Grant's an anesthesiologist and Ron of course a surgeon and they have done loads of really great work on, on the ERAS guidelines and we're featuring that uh, as one of our papers on CTS net this uh, week uh, so you can click and and have a look at it right now uh, it's called perioperative care in cardiac surgery joint consensus and uh, it's really awesome so what do they say well they've done over 20 different recommendations and it's really comprehensive the things I like is prehabilitation well why wouldn't you but we don't so let's get them in exercise classes get them fitter before they come for cardiac surgery only do nil by mouth two hours before your operation. Don't do it six hours, eight hours, 12 hours. Don't have somebody who's not eaten or drunk since yesterday going for an afternoon case. Uh, and actually in thoracic surgery in our hospital, we've just transferred to uh, sip till surgery, uh, which uh, hasn't happened yet in cardiac surgery, but thoracic surgery, we're sipping till surgery. So nobody stops drinking uh, until they get to surgery. So certainly in cardiac surgery, drink up to two hours beforehand. Stop pulmonary artery catheters. Uh, great for moderate or low risk patients. Uh, of course, you should stop them. Why are we putting them in in everybody? They're, you know, they actually cause harm, and that is highlighted in the ERAS guidelines. Um, vomiting prophylaxis. People feel sick with morphine and after surgery, so let's do prophylaxis and risk scores uh, to stop that. That is uh, evidence based. Extubate the patient when they don't need to be asleep. Uh, I absolutely support this one. It just sends me crazy when I see cardiac surgical patients after CABG times three at the age of 65 being kept asleep for six hours just in case something might happen. Get them awake, get them going. I saw Tristan Yan extubating a hemi-arch replacement on the table and that patient looked amazing an hour afterwards. Um, 
use local anaesthetic uh, in your stenotomies. We do that in our hospital and this is now part of the ERS guidelines. And there's plenty more. Uh, so check out that wonderful document. First author, Michael Grant. We had a great chat to him as well. Uh, well done him. Really, really good. Um, the third paper that we have profiled here at CTSnet today, it's on our front page, is lower mortality with tear, with transcatheter mitral uh, versus surgery. Um, but the devil is in the detail. So we've actually chosen a Michael Jordan um, uh, article um, on this um, by TCT MD. Uh, the original paper is a very controversial paper uh, actually published in the European Heart Journal, Mitral Transcatheter Edge Edge Repair versus Mitral Surgery for Severe MR, a nationwide French survey, um, because this is a huge database from France, 57,000 patients, and out of them they picked out 2,100 uh, matched pairs uh, in the high-risk uh, mitrals versus transcatheter and the papers kind of saying at a year they're pretty much the same but actually they're really really high risk people you're a score more than four all over 75 years old so so the the very balanced and measured Michael Riordan is actually saying we we know this already if they're really really high risk and they uh are prohibitive risk for surgery, then it's saying transcatheter mitral clips are, are a good idea. Um, but but it's when you go down to lower risks, that's when things get problematic. The other problem with that database is that we don't know between primary and secondary uh, cause for the mitral regurgitation. We think there is a bit of a difference there and the guidelines uh, are slightly different between uh, it being uh, primarily a mitral uh, regurgitation or secondary MR. So um, also just mentioned that there are currently two trials ongoing. Um, so, so we should watch this space for two really good trials that hopefully will come out fairly shortly. There's a trial called Repair, uh, comparing tear with mitroclip to surgical valve repair in patients with MR at moderate risk for surgery. And there's another one called Primary, um, and that's got patients with low risk. So it is sounding a lot like the Tava world, isn't it? So the high risk patients, yeah, we all agree, probably a good alternative, but moderate and low, let's look to these papers to see how they come out. And let's look at long-term outcomes. Let's not just look at one-year outcomes. Uh, so, so watch this space. So those were our three papers and a little few tasters of the SDS, what we most enjoyed seeing. Uh, and let me just hand over to the CTSnet office to tell you what else is on the website this week. Take advantage of the features on your profile page to tell the CTSnet community more about yourself. Head to ctsnet.org user to update your background, place of work, and contact information. When you're done, head to the profiles page to stay connected with colleagues and learn more about your fellow CTSnet members. Got three really different videos this week. The first one's super interesting uh, by Crado Cavozza, Andrea Aldo, and uh, and they they're documenting using a robotic digital microscope in their port access mitrals. Um, they've done a really nice article actually. They've got loads of figures as well as a video. The video is a commercial video, and then it goes to uh, its use in a port access mitral. This uh, is kind of a clever. Um, 
exascope it's called it's basically a a operative microscope which has originally been used for neurosurgeries for brain surgery but this group's been using it for portrait mitral to get really really zoomed up they beam it through the uh, the thoracostomy incision um, it can go very narrow band it can have 3d so your team can wear 3d glasses and it can zoom up as much as you like and it can be robotically controlled or manually controlled so it looks really nice if you want better view then this might be a good option for you um, obviously its competitor is a proper endoscope that you just stick in uh, via another port because this actually requires the hole to be big enough to poke it through and for your hands all to be through your hands can obviously get in the way as well so so I'm not sure uh, whether people will really love this or find it a bit quirky but um, but I guess I do know quite a lot of people doing portexis mitral looking down the incision so maybe if you do that then maybe using this microscope to look down the incision may may help so check that that out let me know what you think uh, I personally think it's a little bit wacky not sure it become mainstream but uh, but we like to post different ideas here on CTSnet the second video is in this in Vince Gaudiani's series um, and uh, he's doing such a great job with these they're being really popular and this one's a banger Tava after annular rupture it's all our most scary thing isn't it an annular rupture with a tava what the hell are you going to do well this person actually got a bit of a contained rupture and uh, they were a bit stable for a while and then there was a pericardial collection so they, so it wasn't like a rush straight to, th to the operating room but I'm sure the operative appearance would be exactly the same no matter how urgent the rupture so we get a beautiful view of the hole that was caused from the rupture really is quite dramatic and uh, Vince Gaudiani shows us exactly how uh, to repair that. He's actually got two cases in this video, not one. The second one's really interesting. Tavern expand after a, a CABG and also a mitral valve replacement. And this is really interesting because Vince Gaudiani is a really free thinker uh, and he thinks out of the box. Uh, so as well as uh, as well as being really good with his TAVA technique, he actually has a very different mitral repair technique because he goes through the roof of the left atrium. So he can use the same sort of virtually the same view as looking down the aortic. Really good for, for commando operations and, uh, and actually was a really great view of the mitral. I was very impressed. Uh, and so take a look at this if you haven't seen uh, a mitral repair or replacement through the roof of the left atrium rather than Sondergaard's groove. Um, and the other really interesting thing is that he had a massively calcified vein graft to the LAD and he kind of has to resect this, putting a, 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 a graft between the two, which I thought was a very innovative and clever way to, to address that. So, so well done him, really interesting video as part of his um, Tava series. And interesting, I've just been on the phone to Vince Gaudiani and he's got some great ideas for a few more series. And one series he's got uh, is, I think this is just mind blowing. He, he challenged me, he said, why do we cool down for aortic arch surgery? Well, the answer is to cool the brain. He said, well, so why do you cool the rest of the patient? And I couldn't answer that. Well, I don't know why we call the kidneys and the liver and the spleen and the gut. And he said, yeah, the answer is you shouldn't. So he routinely cannulates the brain with a separate bypass circuit, cools down that circuit. He cools the brain only, keeps the rest of the body to normal temperature. So he's going to do a series of videos on that. So watch out for that because that's going to be super interesting. Um, the last video we've got for you um, is... Uh, a wonderful video from the last year's London Core Review 
um, series and it is by the one and only Tyrone David and it's entitled A Quarter of a Century of Aortic Valve Sparing Operations. So thank you so much to the London Core Review team for allowing us to publish this. We're going to publish a set of videos from last year's London Core Review because of course it's coming up this year um, and this year the 13th Core Review is April 10th to the 12th. So if you like what you're seeing then uh, why don't you pop down and watch. They do it all for charity, they're not doing it for profits, they've got amazing stellar speakers, Tyrone David, uh, El Khoury, David Taggart, uh, all those people and, and uh, and uh, Mohammed Aziz uh, and is doing a great job of, of sorting all these. So well done. Um, and uh, those are our three videos for this week. There's some great things coming up uh, in the diary that you might want to go to. 22nd and 24th, if you fancy a trip to Disneyland, they're doing Innovations in Heart Valve Reconstruction. This is the Cleveland Clinic and the Cleveland Children's Clinic uh, doing a whole uh, masterclass on congenital heart disease. Uh, so go and check that out. It's uh, $895 uh, if you're a physician or if you're a resident, it's only 495 and you get on the rides as well. Um, there's a mitral valve repair summit 28th to the 9th, 29th uh, at EACTS. Uh, this is an in-person course with hands-on wet labs and that's $525 uh, to check that out. Or if you want to sit in the comfort of your own home and watch something on a webinar, then uh, there is a webinar called The Next Generation Webinar, What the Future Holds in Cardiac Surgery. And this is Thursday the 29th, but it's virtual online, therefore it's 10 euros and it's hosted by EACTS. So that's everything for this week. It just leaves me to maybe give our honourable mention and it's got to go to Tom McGilvery, the president of the STS. I absolutely loved his presidential address. Um, the introduction to him was just so warming. He clearly is a much loved surgeon in his unit. Uh, he clearly is a guy that brings people together, unifies behind him and is much loved. And then his uh, president's address was just wonderful. Uh, he is a student of history, so he gave the example of two um, 18th century voyages, um, and uh, one ended in catastrophe and disaster. They crashed on an island, uh, and then uh, 250 people were, were marooned, but then the, the very poor leader that they had uh, split everybody. Everybody, people died of starvation. Three people got back to the UK. And then he talked about uh, the Endeavour and, uh, and Shackleton, where the same thing happened. The, the boat crushed, they got stuck on an island, but what was different is that he kept his teams together. One in, all in, upside down management. Everybody got to help everybody else. The best story he told was when they were all in a circle, all having their dinner, one person dropped their broth and everybody else shared a bit of their broth so it would be filled up, to, filled up again. Whereas in that previous one, everyone was fighting over the food and stealing it and hoarding it. And he used this wonderful example as an example of leadership, uh, how you have to have leadership and active followership, how everybody is important. And then, uh, and, and I think it really did have a great analogy to cardiac surgery, where we are all in it together. We need to work as a team. We all have to wade in. We have to help each other. And, and that is the greatest way uh, to lead our, our specialty forwards. And, and Tom and his team are doing a great job. So congratulations to him. Uh, it was a pleasure to listen to your presidential speech and it was great to be the SDS. So that's it from me. Sorry that I waffled on for a bit longer than normal, but it was a really great week. 
and uh, and join me next week when I'll give you lots more news about what's cool and exciting in the world of cardiothoracic surgery. Thank you.